Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 97, released on January 31st, 2013, actually January 30th, 2013. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me is my good friend, Scotty V. Hey, Scott, Happy New Year. Hello, and Happy New Year to you as well, sir. A month late, but nevertheless, well, just as important to say. Yes, I mean, it is our first podcast of 2013. Uh, 2013, the year of Superman, we're calling it. Superman's 75th anniversary, as well as obviously the release of Man of Steel. We can finally say it's releasing this year. Ah, oh, I love it. I'm, I, and I love the new name you've come up with, The Year of Superman. I like that. <laughs> but uh, it, uh, it has been an interesting uh, month and a, and a bit. Uh, we recorded our last podcast a week early at the end of December, obviously for obvious reasons, with the festive season and, and people going away and things like that. So we've got a, just over a month of, of stuff to, to cover, and there's been quite a bit in this new year already for Man of Steel. Uh, Warner Brothers are wasting no time in uh, ramping up the promotions and the material that they're releasing and uh, magazines coming out left, right and centre with covers and articles and uh, new images. So it's uh, exciting times. It is exciting. I, I'm, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I feel the same way as I did when, when Superman Returns was, was in its uh, marketing stages. And at that time, I really did feel like there wasn't enough going on but anytime something would come out i'd be you know i'd be lapping it up like a dog i mean i just you know just couldn't get enough and uh and then here we are again and uh you know everybody's saying let's hope this does really well because um who knows what'll happen next if 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 this one does you know ends up the way superman returns did and it's not received well or whatever what will we get next and how long will it be until the next superman film but uh, i rather just enjoy the you know, the ramping up and, mm-hmm. and getting there and seeing it. And then I expect it to be successful, but I mean, rather than be negative and, and worry about what if it doesn't, you know, I'm, I'm expecting that it will. Yeah, me too. I'm the same. I'm the same. I'm thinking it's going to be pretty successful, um, hopeful and remaining positive. I've liked what I've seen so far. Uh, we found out this month that uh, the movie will get a PG-13 rating as expected. I think most people were you know, thinking that it might get that rating. Superman Returns, I believe, had the same rating. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's not a bad thing. I think it's kind of normal nowadays uh, with superhero movies. If you look at uh, any of the latest superhero movies released over the last almost 10 years now, they're all PG-13. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of destruction. There's a lot of action going on. Uh, there's a lot of tenseness happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, much less than a, than a PG rating, obviously, we'd be getting into the area of being a little too, you know, golly gee, and not enough um, really intense. And, and I think that's what we want. So I think uh, if it were less, if it were PG-13, I think that there would then be the question of how could it be PG-13 and PG when, when every other superhero movie um, and of course uh, everybody uh, knows that Avengers was widely received as a movie you could take your kids to and it was kind of light but it was also PG-13 and there was some really intense action scenes going on in there so I think it's completely normal and I also think that it's as you say it's a good thing. What would be the rating above PG-13 if it was uh, say dark or more serious? Well, the next one to come would then be R. So I don't oh, think really? that we could. Oh, really? You don't yeah, have anything don't between PG-13 and R? 
No, no. Wow. Uh, for for us, that's that's where it goes to. And uh, uh, the other thing that's interesting about PG thirteen, and I've been hearing a lot of these um, writers kind of injecting their own opinions into the the announcement that it's going to be PG thirteen is that uh, well now we can hear Lois Lane have a potty mouth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the truth is, is that uh, they in 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 PG thirteen ratings they are allowed one F word, but I really don't expect there to be one in uh, nah. Man of Steel. Uh, here in Australia, a PG thirteen rating is probably um, a, equal to a M rating, which is M stands for mature audiences, um, and that pretty much means that anybody under fifteen can go see the movie um, without supervision um, of an adult. Um, or, or sorry, with supervision of no, without supervision of an adult, mature audiences. But um, with uh, we have a rating above that, which is M15 plus, which means uh, it's only for people above 15 years and over. And then we obviously we have R as well. So, uh, but uh, yeah, PG13 rating equates to an M here in Australia, um, and I think it's a 12A rating in the UK is on the similar uh, par with that. Uh, but uh, the MPAA, which is the Motion Picture Association of America, gave it a PG-13 rating for intense sequences of sci-fi violence, action and destruction, and for some language. Mmm, some language. Yeah, I mean, when you have that kind of destruction going on, and when you have uh, people being thrown left and right and, and things crumbling down around you, it would probably be considered unrealistic and uh, unbelievable if people were just like, oh boy, this is terrible. So, I'm, I, you know, I, yes. I think that those type of scenes are going to be intense and there's going to be some language, as you say. And, of course, with a parental guidance suggestion of 13, um, that kind of means that you have to be 13 or older to come in without a parent, but they, I don't really think that they enforce that. No, it doesn't become it's a guideline. really enforced until it's, it's R and uh, yeah. they actually... For a while, we're asking for IDs for okay. our movies uh, here in America. There you go. So uh, that's uh, pretty good news for Man of Steel fans. Uh, the PG-13 rating means that it will be accessible to young audiences. And, and Superman should be a character that young, you know, that children and, and you know, uh, young people should be able to go see. Uh, but by the same token, we don't want it to be a kiddie film. We want it to be you know, something that adults can also enjoy. And so I think that's probably right on the money there. I agree. Now, uh, of recent times, uh, as of as far as the end of uh, January, we uh, got a uh, magazine cover for the Empire magazine, the UK-US edition of the March 2013 edition of the magazine. Uh, features a Superman cover, a Man of Steel cover, Henry Cavill in a pose we haven't seen him in before, um, standing almost side-on, um, looking very intense, and uh, there are some internal photos in the magazine of uh, Russell Crowe as Jor-El and Michael Shannon as Zod that we also haven't seen before. And uh, a lot of buzz about this uh, edition of the magazine. I really love Empire magazine. I've uh, always liked it because it always has these type of photo spreads and, yep. and these inside looks at movies and, and, and pictures you haven't seen before. And, of course, with a Man of Steel cover, it doesn't really get much better than that. Mm. And this is a shot of Henry Cavill sideways standing. It's very serious, very cool looking. I, I like the pose. I like the way the suit looks. What's interesting is I guess is there's two versions. One's, one's a U.S. version, one's a U.K. version. I think the U.S. version has words all over it, which is kind of annoying. Um, but if you look at the two pictures, 
the 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 version without the words on it is kind of kind of subdued in color it's it's much darker and then the other one is brighter has the the familiar bright blue and red that that we that we associate with superman in general that everyone is complaining isn't going to be on this uniform and isn't going to be in this movie and then the other one uh, is, is is the much darker one that those same people are complaining is too dark for Superman. So I'm I'm wondering why the two different releases uh, of the same photo look different color wise, and which one we're actually going to get uh, in the film. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, the I think it's a special edition cover. I don't know if it's necessarily one US one UK, but uh, I think the special edition cover has the uh, less like no words on the cover other than Man of Steel and uh, the Empire logo, obviously. But um, you're right, it is a more muted um, version of the picture, whether or not the one with all the words on the cover, which is brighter, is maybe photoshopped a little bit, uh, which they tend to do on magazines to, to lift colours and you know, make, uh, you know, lift the highlights and the shadows and things like that. I don't know. But again, the picture itself, the movie itself, will go through a... Um, you know, certain filters will be you know, put onto the to the uh, raw footage, uh, you know, to enhance the picture or, you know, give a certain look to the to the, each scene. Uh, that's a normal thing they do as well. So, um, you know, it will be interesting to see what the final version of the film looks like and how the costume looks under certain lighting in certain scenes. Uh, but uh, as of this, as for this Empire magazine cover, um, I, I'm impressed. Uh, sadly, the Australian version of the Empire magazine, March edition, uh, is a totally different cover altogether. It does not have Man of Steel. I don't believe it even has the, the spread on Man of Steel. So obviously the huh. uh, Australian editions of these magazines uh, are different to the UK, US ones, which uh, I was uh, pretty thrilled to get uh, a subscription, uh, 12-month subscription for Christmas from my wife uh, for Empire magazine. So um, hopefully they put that article and that, you know, those photos in the... Uh, uh, upcoming edition for the Australian version of Empire magazine. But for UK, US fans, it's available on newsstands now, I believe. Mm, very exciting. I'm going to get myself a copy of that. Cool. Now, uh, there's been a lot of rumours around Man of Steel as we wait for the film uh, to be released in June. And uh, one of those rumours uh, came from the not always reliable source of IMDb as far as upcoming films are concerned. Uh, don't get me wrong, IMDb is a great source for existing movies, movies that are already out and they you know, have great uh, cast listings and all the you know, different trivia and uh, the complete uh, you know, listing of everything you want to know about the, each of those movies. But for upcoming films, I find that it's sometimes unreliable. There's a lot of uh, misinformation sometimes posted for upcoming films when there isn't an actual source that they can rely on for that detail. Uh, but one of them that came out this month was the rumour that instead of a male Jimmy Olsen, we're going to be getting a female Jenny Olsen. That is true. Now, as you were saying about IMDb, I don't even know who edits these things. Like, I've been told over the years that Wikipedia can be edited by anybody. Yeah. And you can go in there and put in anything you want. True. So if you can go in there and put in anything you want, then anybody could be putting in anything they want, which means who the heck knows what anything means. However, <laughs> being that this actress is listed as Jenny Olsen, to me, obviously is going to spark a lot of rumors, it's going to spark a lot of articles, a lot of bloggers, a lot of people with complaints, with excitement, with different things going back and forth. But... All that means is, if true, there's a woman playing a character named Jenny Olsen. 
which could mean anything. She could be Ann Olsen from the Olsen family. Uh, she could be replacing Jimmy Olsen. But to, to jump right to they're changing Jimmy Olsen to Jenny Olsen seems like a leap that isn't necessarily uh, all that logical yet. No, true. Uh, it, like you said, it could be a sister, a mother, an auntie, and a cousin. Could not be related whatsoever, and there might not even be a person called Jenny Olsen. We don't really know at this point in time. Uh, we can see what appears to be the actress uh, who is said to be playing Jenny, and that's um, her name is, uh, I'm just looking it up now, uh, Rebecca Buller, um, and she appears to be the woman running alongside Perry White, as played by Lawrence Fishburne, in a very quick snapshot that we see in the trailer for Man of Steel as a building collapses behind them, we guess in the middle of Metropolis. And from the, a still frame of that scene, she appears to have a lanyard with an ID card uh, hanging off around her neck. Uh, whether or not that means she's, you know, maybe an intern or maybe a visitor or something for the, for the Daily Planet. It's speculation at this point in time. Uh, IMDb lists her as playing Jenny Olsen. We know for a fact that Rebecca Buller is... In the movie, um, it is her in the scene. There have been other websites. Uh, she's, you know, been in a lot of theatre productions, and uh, one of the profiles on a uh, nexttheatre.org uh, has, you know, it listed as the fact that she's a cast member of Man of Steel. So, but whether Jenny Olsen is a replacement for Jimmy, as you say, is a bit of a leap in logic at this point in time. Well, you forgot to mention that, of course, in the scene that we're that you're talking about there in the movie, she's wearing a bow tie, carrying a camera, <laughs> and has a Turtle Boy backpack. Mm, yeah, no, she doesn't. But uh, that would be interesting. <laughs> that would have uh, then the logic would be you could connect those dots. But um, might have sealed it then. Yes, <laughs> that's right. But at this point in time, if she is Jenny Olsen, she's not necessarily a replacement for Jimmy. She may be a precursor to Jimmy. Exactly. But uh, the other rumours that circulated around Man of Steel was the fact that there may be, and from what we understand from Jim Bowers of capedwonder.com, who's a good friend of mine and of the website, the Superman homepage, uh, has given us lots of information and images over the years. He tells us that there is going to be a cameo by a classic Superman actor. Um, there is going to be a cameo by a classic movie actor in Man of Steel, a classic Superman movie actor. Now, he says that it could be from uh, anyone, alive or dead, who appeared in any but not all of the Superman movies from 1948 to 1987. So that includes the serials, uh, Mole Men, uh, the four Christopher Reeve movies, and the Superman to the Richard Donner cut. Uh, could be uh, somebody from any of those, but not necessarily all of those, um, and will appear in the Man of Steel as a cameo. So this isn't all that unusual. I mean, um, no, it's not. other movies have done this. You know, I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, that's really disappointing because they've said that this is going to be cut off from every other version of Superman we've seen on screen. And now they're going back on that and they're going to have people in it from before. And how is this a separate thing? But a cameo, a guy walking by, a guy waving, a guy saying hello, a guy picking up his mail. Uh, you know, uh, Jim Lee spring, springs to mind um, being in every, uh, 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 what is it, Marvel movie. Yeah, that, not, that's not Jim out. Lee, you yeah. mean Stanley. Stanley, yeah, sorry. <laughs> being in every, you know, obviously 
fans know that he's Stan Lee. They're looking for it. They see it. They kind of look at each other and laugh. They pat each other on the back when he shows up. Yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't mean that you know that's Stan Lee in every movie. I, no. I don't know. Uh, like well, like with the first Hulk movie when uh, Lou Ferrino uh, appeared as a security guard opening the door uh, on the on the building. It doesn't. It you know it's that is a cameo of a classic Hulk actor, but he's not. It's not saying that this Hulk movie is connected to that TV series. That's exactly correct. So if, you know, say for instance, uh, one of the people are saying that Annette O'Toole is the voice of one of the women in the trailer that says, uh, you know, I, my, my daughter was in the bus, she saw what Clark did, that that might be, uh, may be Annette O'Toole's voice. I don't personally think it is, but if it was... That's not saying that this movie is therefore connected to both Smallville and Superman 3 just because Annette O'Toole was in those movies and in that TV series. It just means that this is a nod to Superman fans as an in-joke, as a, as a tribute uh, to honour the previous versions of the films and say, hey, here's a bit of an Easter egg for you guys who know who she is or who know who this actor is. It doesn't mean that this film is connected to those previous films or TV shows. Just like when um, Jack Larson played uh, Bibbo in Superman Returns and um, uh, Noel Neal played the old lady in the beginning of Superman Returns. It doesn't mean that Superman Returns was connected to the George Reeves TV series. It just means, hey, we're paying tribute to the, that past incarnation of the character. Plus, a lot of the fans like to see that sort of thing. If, yeah. you've, if you've been a fan of Superman or whatever movie it is you're going to see, and that movie has had past incarnations on TV or on film, it's nice to see that, to say, oh, I remember when I used to like that character, or I used to like that actor, or I used to like that film series. It's nice that they're honoring this person and, and honoring what I used to love and, and, and as we're moving forward at the same time. Yeah, I think a perfect example of that was... Uh... The War of the Worlds movie with um, uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. The at the end, the old couple that greet him at the door as being the parents of his wife or whatever were actually the original couple from uh, the 1960s or 1950s version of the War of the Worlds that was uh, a movie. So um, that was again a cameo appearance by actors who have been in a previous version, but not necessarily connecting it to that previous version. Very nice to see. I like what they do that, so I'm looking yeah. forward to it, whatever it is. Exactly. Whomever exactly. it is. But, um, yeah, whoever it is, we don't know. There's been, you know, quite a few, um, you know, speculations uh, about uh, theories about who it might be. One of the theories was uh, put forward by Superman Javi Oliveras. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, but it's a, a Spanish website, a Superman fan site, who... Um, Look through some of the footage that was shot during the uh, on-location filming during at at, uh, at in Chicago for Man of Steel in 2012, uh, where Henry Cavill is riding a push bike uh, through the streets of Metropolis, and they notice a person on the side of the street who appears to be wearing what Christopher Reeve wore as Superman in Superman 3, uh, specifically, uh, you know, the the three-piece brownish suit with the fedora hat and the uh, the brown leather suitcase uh, by his side and that person, a person who appears to be wearing the same suit, the same get-up, um, appears to be on the side of the road there beside uh, Henry Cavill's uh, push bike. 
I watched this footage, and it looks like the actor portraying this individual wearing this three-piece suit uh, has some of the same mannerisms as Christopher Reeve had when he played Clark Kent wearing a similar outfit walking down the streets of mm. Metropolis. However, uh, in in that being what it is, I think that that, yes, is kind of a nod to that. It's kind of an in-joke, which these movies tend to do, as we were just discussing before. But I would not count that as the... Uh, celebrity Superman actor uh, that is going to appear in the movie because that's just that's not that's not um, uh, that's a, that's a uh, that's kind of a a goof on that whole look that whole that's not that's not an actor from another movie playing an actual role that's just a guy strolling down the street that happens to be dressed like um, uh, Clark Kent dressed in the uh, Christopher Reeve Superman movie so my opinion would be that that would not be this famed cameo that that we're being told about. Well, Jim Bowers did say alive or dead, so it could be a CGI Christopher Eve. Possibly, possibly, but it does look <laughs> like an actual. I mean, that's footage from the street there. They, you can see the cameras and the, they're actually oh, yeah. filming right there. So that would that would mean that they have they that they had already had a CGI Christopher Reeve somehow in that. Uh, raw footage, and they they went to the trouble of putting him in there before releasing it online, or or whoever found it, or whatever happened. Unless, of course, you're saying that they're going to that that was just a place card, and they put that person there, and then they're going to CGI Christopher Reeve into the suit after the fact, which well, is possible. Yeah, they may digitally place his face on the physical body of that person, um, which obviously, like they've done in Star Wars, when uh, during the fight scenes, uh, when Christopher Lee was, you know doing the you know the whole uh, lightsaber fight and jumping around and obviously it wasn't Christopher Lee because he's an old man um, but they later on digitized his face onto that physical person so that it appeared to be Christopher Lee uh, in that Star Wars movie yeah they can do just about anything they want now so yeah in in later editions that could certainly be um, uh, some sort of Christopher Reeve cameo I suppose yeah, but like I said, they're all theories being thrown out there. We don't know for a fact that any of these are going to necessarily happen. That person may not even be, you know, you know maybe cut out of the uh, of the scene altogether. Who knows? Uh, but it'll, you know, it's interesting to speculate, and uh, it's it's fun to have all these rumors and and theories floating around out there for the fans to to discuss and to argue about and to uh, uh, you know look forward to seeing what we might actually finally see. Uh, well, one I have months. heard is that that you know in some scene there's going to be a television that's playing a Christopher Reeve movie. Mm. Something like that I think would be acceptable. It would be a nice nod. It would be a nice honoration of Christopher Reeve yeah. without being uh, too tongue-in-cheek. I mean I think if, if, if you have Henry Cavill on a bicycle in the streets of Metropolis and he does a double take because Christopher Reeve is standing five feet from him on the curb, I think that that might be a little bit too cheesy. silly, a little too cheesy, a little too goofy. Yeah. Uh, and kind of take you out of the story of the film. So in as much as people would, would love to see something like that, I, I don't really think that that would belong in this type of film. No, well, they did in um, the Planet of the Apes movie, the most recent one. Uh, they had one of the guys in the zoo, one of the zookeepers watching a TV in the, in the office there, and on the TV was a Charlton Heston movie, uh, not Planet of the Apes, but he was watching a Charlton Heston movie on the TV, obviously as a nod to Charlton Heston having been in the original incarnations of the Planet of the Apes films. 
Yeah, I think something like that would be perfect. Either yeah. that or like a like a, a Jack Larson playing a bartender in Superman Returns, something yeah. like that where the fans know it or don't know it. Some of the fans don't even notice because he, he's much older and looks different. Yeah. Uh, but it's a nice thing to have there, and it's nice for Jack Larson to – to, to be still involved in the franchise after all this time, even if it's a separate story. Yep, exactly. So we'll wait and see what those rumors and, and theories end up uh, actually being. But uh, we do know for a fact that Man of Steel's musical score is now complete. Uh, they've uh, recorded it. All the artists have been in. They've been uh, this, uh, what's his name, Junkie XL or something, one of the composers who has a... Uh, stage name of some type, uh, his own professional name, has been a um, helping out Hans Zimmer on uh, the Man of Steel score and during the recording process and has posted photos on Twitter of all different musicians in the recording studio. Sometimes we get to see behind them the big screen with the actual movie playing in the background. We can't actually make out too many details about what's on that screen, but obviously the movie is being played at the same time as they're recording so that, you know, they get a feel for uh, how that scene will play out and Zack Snyder can sit and, and, you know, listen back to the music with the film footage to, uh, to see how it's all going to fit together. I've always thought it was very cool in these sort of traditional movies where it's not rock music or yeah. a rap song or something where you actually have a big giant room where the whole orchestra is in there and a big giant screen and all the editors and the directors and everybody sit around and actually listen live as uh, Hans Zimmer or John Williams or whoever it may be um, plays their ideas for what the, what music will accompany whatever scene it is they're watching or, or, or as it goes on and how cool it would be to be all the members of that film crew when it's finally complete and when the whole movie is, is sort of complete and you sit down in that live room and the orchestra plays live, you know, along with it to, to kind of ramp up the uh, excitement and the drama and the emotion with all that music being there. And, then, you know, before it's actually recorded and inserted into the film, uh, how interesting it, it must be to, to, to be a part of that whole process. Yeah, it would be interesting to sit in on there and, uh, and hear that uh, as it happens. But uh, it's good. That, that, that is one facet of the film that we really haven't, got any idea on we don't know what Hans Zimmer is doing with the musical score for the movie uh, we have heard interviews where he said it's a long theme which I think is good uh, where Batman's is all kind of you know a bit short sharp types of uh, sound sequences uh, he's got a long theme for Man of Steel uh, he's got big shoes to to fill uh, obviously the John Williams score is a classic it's so well known and it's you know so ingrained in people's heads uh, as far as being a Superman piece of music, that uh, Hans Zimmer has um, a big task ahead of him to really create a soundscape that will uh, befit the character. I don't personally believe, and I've had discussions with fans of the Nolan Batman franchise or the Spider-Man franchise. I'm a fan of the Spider-Man franchise, but I don't believe that there has been a hummable theme song uh, since... Uh, for, for a superhero since Superman. I don't think that anybody remembers the Spider-Man theme song or anybody remembers the new Batman theme song. Uh, the Michael Keaton one kind of has that, you, you have that melody that you can kind of sing, but it doesn't last very long. It's not mm. very, it doesn't really go anywhere. Not, not too much happens with it. So, uh, and they may not go that way with this movie because it's, it doesn't seem to be 
the current trend to have an Indiana Jones theme in your mm. movie or to have a, you know, um, a theme of the empire when Darth Vader's walking down the, uh, the, the bridge of the star destroyer. That doesn't seem to be something that movies go for very much anymore, but, um, maybe, uh, maybe Superman can bring that back with a, with a whole new, uh, theme and a whole new soundtrack. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, it is going to be a very interesting, uh, thing to listen to. Uh, we won't really probably get, any um, preview of it until another trailer comes out. Uh, we don't think that there will be a trailer with the Super Bowl. Uh, a lot of people were speculating whether or not a Man of Steel, another Man of Steel trailer would come out with the Super Bowl, which is you know something that they tend to do with big blockbuster films that are being released around the middle of the year. But uh, there's been no announcement in regards to that. And a lot of the commercials and TV spots for the uh, Super Bowl have already been announced, but um, nothing for Man of Steel that we know of. Mm, how unfortunate. But they may surprise us. It may be something that uh, is not, you know, is being kept uh, under wraps. That would be fantastic. I, I think I've said in other podcasts uh, in previous months um, that uh, there's nothing that surprises us anymore. You know, mm, you true. hear, you're just like, we, you know, you, you, you run a website that we uh, both take part in month after month and week after week where uh, our whole our whole purpose uh, is to to find all the snippets of information that are released everywhere else and and that we find and that people bring to us and and that you put on there and it's it's and it's just like any other website the whole the whole point of the internet is to find out every single thing you can before it's uh, even known to the general public as fast as possible so that there's nothing hidden and nothing is secret and there's no surprises anymore and and uh, that's unfortunate I've always thought that that's unfortunate obviously we do the whole spoiler warning thing um on websites now and in magazines and if you don't want to read more about it or whatever but just the fact that it's all out there and 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 when you get to the movie you've seen almost every character almost every uh, uniform you've heard almost every song there is you you've you've heard all the dialogue a lot of times you get to a movie and go i saw all this in all the trailers cuz yeah. there's a hundred trailers online there's a hundred trailers on tv not trailers but short ads mm -hmm. that have little clips of each scene and and all the dialogue and and then you got the three big trailers and and that show so so many things so uh, I'd like it. I'd love it if there was some sort of, you know, tidbit of something that was so secretive that just that just didn't come out, you know. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. It's uh, it's hard to to be in the position we are doing what we do without, you know, revealing spoilers and and you know finding the spoilers. But um, it's what we do. It's what people come to see. And uh, but yeah, it, it is. I do enjoy when I go to a movie that I have no prior interest in and I have not sought any, out any information from and then I go go into the cinema and come out totally surprised and, and blown away because uh, I had no expectations and, and no previous ideas about what I was going to see and you come out pleasantly surprised where with movies or characters that you are interested in you you know you try to find out as much as you can beforehand and then you go into the movie and sometimes your expectations are too high and you come out disappointed, and I think that was the case with Superman Returns. Uh, we saw most of the best bits, you know, leaked online through Brian Singer's own, um, you know, diary, video diaries that he did, and uh, you know, it was just you, you almost could piece together all the little bits and pieces that had been released online. And when you're sitting in the cinema and saying, "Well, yeah, I, I've already seen this part. It's just all these parts interconnected now into one big movie." Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was saying. It, it seems like uh, they do that a lot, especially with the bigger ones. You know, mm. you see so much. You know, 
Yeah, especially when you're seeking it out too. Uh, but uh, that is as it is, and uh, we'll still be you know, excited to sit down with Man of Steel in June, and hopefully it surprises us with uh, you know parts of the film that uh, haven't been leaked or spoilt online. Uh, talking about leaking and spoiling things online, the uh, recent a recent Toy Fair, uh, I think it was in the UK uh, or in Europe somewhere. Uh, Mattel had shown some of their suppliers and some of their retailers and uh, you know some previews about upcoming toys, amongst them being Man of Steel toys, and they were supposed to remain offline there you know they were there were stamps across these images of you know property of mattel not to be posted not to be revealed not to be you know published elsewhere but uh a french website whether they couldn't read the english i don't know but they went ahead and uh, <laughs> and published these photos uh, anyway they were quickly removed but once you post something online it's out there uh, someone else will grab it someone else will post it someone else will keep it save it share it goes on you know um all the different uh social media websites and the cat's out of the bag and that happened with these man of steel toys and a lot of the images uh of incomplete toys of incomplete packaging of you know of just um you know artists impressions of some of these figures were released online and we got a good look at some characters that we didn't even know about and uh a symbol of zod that we didn't know about and they've all been released now through these toy figure images. Um, I'm kind of excited only because, and I've heard a lot of people from the opposite end saying uh, they should be less worried about toys and less worried about exploiting children and more worried about making a good movie. And uh, in my mind, you know, the reason Spider-Man is so popular, the reason that the Avengers is so popular is because... Uh, whenever you go to the toy store, you have a set of Hulk gloves that you smash together and they speak in the Hulk's voice and you have a Captain America action figures and you have the, the shield and you see these commercials on TV where kids that are far too old to be playing with these type of toys have like a Captain America mask on and a little <laughs> shield that's half the size of the or a quarter of the size of the real shield and they're throwing it around. And uh, but, the, but the whole idea is that younger kids see these commercials and, oh, wow, that's really cool. And, you know, they they it 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 keeps the the excitement for the movie up the excitement for the character you know uh this past summer uh i was or this past uh, winter for for you know for the holidays i was seeing avengers commercials and saying wow you know avengers came out 6 months ago mm. 7 months ago and they're really making a huge push with christmas toys and 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 holiday toys and trying to get kids excited and i don't even think you need like i my my uh little nephew is is three years old or whatever and he runs around with hulk gloves on and he talks about being spider-man and i just watched a superman movie with him the other day the elite we watched uh, i was watching it with my brother and and, and uh, he joined in and he was asking questions the whole time and i think that it's 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 obviously big business wants to make money from as many people as they can so they try to advertise to interest children but the flip side of that is it's good for the character to get a three-year-old interested uh this early even in a even in a movie that is that is uh kind of older skewed and kind of a little darker with man of steel coming out if the kid watches it he'll be there waiting for the times when superman is charging zod or or uh you know uh making a big rescue or whatever it is he's going to be doing and then the quieter parts that are a little more adult you know he might get a little antsy but 
it instills in him from an early time. You know, and I think it happened with me when I was three years old when I went to see the original Superman movie. I'm I'm almost I'm almost forty now, and I'm 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 a crazed lunatic when it comes to uh, <laughs> Superman. You know, I I, I was outside putting uh, putting uh, rock salt down to melt the ice in my driveway today, and I was wearing my Superman pajama pants. And I just wonder when people drive by and they see, you know, a thirty eight year old man uh, standing in Superman pants, if they're not going, don't you think you're a little too old to be wearing those? <laughs> but the thing is, is that it's you know it it hit me when I was young, and it's been with me my, the whole time, and 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 I think that it only makes sense that uh, we, we that we want to have children interested and the way to do that is to have toys and have exciting set pieces that you can buy and fight you know have planes and you know different things and uh, obviously the Avengers have weapons and stuff Superman doesn't have that necessarily but we have action figures and it's been a long time in my opinion since there has been an entire aisle dedicated to Superman action yeah. figures I've gone into Toys R Us or into Walmart or whatever and I walk down the aisle and and a whole, like sometimes two aisles is Batman toys and Spider-Man. Anyway, and you just, and I'm like, where is Superman? And every once in a while, every once in a while, you come along one lone Superman thing <laughs> sitting there and no one's buying it. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate. So I, I really am excited about the, these toys being made. And, and I hope, I hope that uh, they, they do a whole marketing campaign on TV. And then I hope there's kids running around with Superman capes on going, look at me. I mean, you know, and you know, that's what I want to see. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm glad it's happening. Yeah, I'm with you. And the thing that people have to remember about these toy lines is that they create figures and, and, and attachments and accessories that aren't going to be in the movie. A lot of people are seeing, you know, a red Superman figure or a totally blue or, you know, or, or a, you know, um, a Superman bicycle or a Superman motorbike, and they're going, where's the motorbike going to appear? You know, Superman <laughs> motorbike going to be in Man of Steel. If Superman's riding on a motorbike, you know, I'm going to boycott this film. Well, uh-huh. these are toys and accessories that are, are designed to, as you say, capture the imagination of kids. They're not necessarily a reflection of the film or what's going to be in the film. Um, so, you know, you, you, you don't know when you see these um, images and some of these snippets of leaked material about, about these toy lines, you don't know that they're necessarily going to be in the film themselves it, itself. They're just toys that are, you know, being uh, merchandised to younger kids because they want to play with bikes, they want to play with trucks, they want to play with guns. These things might not be in the movie, but if you can slap an S on them and make them part of the marketing campaign for the movie, you're going to get kids playing with Superman toys, and I think that's the point. Exactly. Now, one of the uh, characters, uh, as I mentioned, was revealed, there's more Kryptonian characters than Zod and Feora in this movie. Uh, I won't spoil it here, but uh, the Battle for Smallville, or Battle of Smallville, uh, Lego playset for Man of Steel has uh, General Zod, Colonel Hardy, Superman, Feora, and another Kryptonian villain uh, who we hadn't heard about before, but uh, is actually a name that has been in the comic books in the World of New Krypton saga. He was one of the Kryptonian sleeper agents, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not that character is played the same way for Man of Steel, or whether they've just gone back and had a look at some of the comic comic book material, grabbed the name and said, you know, that's an existing name, let's use it for another character that we're going to throw in the Man of Steel movie. It certainly will be exciting to see. I'm I'm just, I'm dying. I mean, I, I see people posting all the time, can't June be tomorrow? And, and as much as I don't want six months of my life to just be gone, 
I'm um, almost with them on that. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's exciting times now that we are in 2013. We're counting down to the film. You know, it's five months away. Uh, cannot wait. But uh, exactly, I'm with you. I don't want five months of my life to just rush by. <laughs> but I am looking forward to the movie. Now, there are other movies beyond Man of Steel that are part of the Superman universe. Uh, the Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 2 just had its... Uh, premiere, world premiere, and LA premiere this past weekend, the end of January. Uh, we will see more reports about that uh, as our um, reporter, Rennie Cowan, who visited the LA premiere, will post reports for us on the Superman homepage with red carpet interviews, hopefully, and a review of the film. Um, but uh, Superman is obviously a, a part of that uh, animated movie, uh, which is uh, based on the comic book version. But we do have a Superman movie, animated movie coming out this year called Superman Unbound. And uh, interestingly enough, Matt Bomer is the voice of Superman. And obviously Matt, for those who have been following uh, Superman homepage for a while, will know that he was uh, almost cast as a real you know, live-action version of Superman, you know, unmade version of Superman Flyby, Superman Lives, one of those incarnations uh, of the never made superman scripts that were floating around before superman returns was made and matt bomer was uh almost cast in that role uh, but sadly uh, didn't get to play the character but now he does as uh the voice of superman in the upcoming superman unbound animated movie this is another movie as with any superman movie that i'm really excited about and the fact that that Matt Bomer is cast as the voice of Superman is just so cool to me because, you know, we were just talking about um, little fan nods, little honoring, honoring of, of people that have been involved in the past. And I, as far as I know, I don't think Matt Bomer is, is specifically an, 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 a voice actor. No. So it almost seems like the people who knew about him almost landing the role before thought it would be cool to bring him in and have him read and, and, and record him and see how he sounded. And, and, and it worked out. And I just, because, you know, the, the hundreds of voice actors and, and hundreds of different people that could, they could play this role and why Matt Bomer. And I'm, I'm, I, I think it's really, really interesting and really cool that a guy who was going to play him in a live action film, who, by the way, I thought when, when those, when the, when the pictures were released and when they were talking about him and his face was everywhere on the site and everything, I thought he would have been, a, a, he had a really good look for Superman. Mm. And there's actually a, what is that? Uh, what is that? A Japanese um, yep. car, commercial. car commercial or something? Exactly. Where he's uh, and he's in. I guess he's in the Superman Returns uniform or yeah. whatever. But it's very. Uh, it, that was kind of tongue in cheek and kind of cool, and it was neat uh, that whoever came up with that ad campaign, knowing that Matt Bomer was was said to be rumored to be uh, in in the running for the the role of Superman, and now he's going to be in Superman Unbound based on the Brainiac story. So. I think that's uh, that's really fun and really cool. Yeah, it is. It's it's a, a great nod to the fact that he didn't get the part and now he get, does get to play the part in a voice capacity. Uh, it is based on the Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, 2008 Superman Brainiac story. Uh, fellow cast members with Matt Bomer, uh, I'm really excited to hear his version of Brainiac, is John Noble from Fringe. Uh, and he's an Australian actor, which I didn't know until recently. Also, Stana Caddick and uh, Molly Quinn play Lois Lane and Supergirl, respectively, and they're both from the TV show Castle. Very cool. Now, uh, it does get its world uh, premiere uh, at WonderCon Anaheim at 2013 across 
the March 29th to March 31st bracket. We don't know an exact date or time for the premiere of Superman Unbound, but it will be at the WonderCon Anaheim Convention at the Anaheim Convention Centre, taking place on the last weekend of March. So looking forward to that, and it's DVD, Blu-ray release uh, soon after. Uh, look for more details on Superman Unbound as March gets closer. But uh, that's pretty much our uh, movie discussions. Uh, what else was uh, pretty big this past month, big news? Well, it seems that uh, Warner Brothers has uh, finally prevailed in the Superman copyright battle. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Uh, it, it seemed to be the never-ending battle, to, to use the phrase. Uh, in a, in a, a, well, obviously, it's a very Superman phrase, but uh, it seems that the, the never-ending battle actually does have an end, and uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers has apparently won the copyright battle, winning the rights to the Siegel side of uh, the ownership of Superman. They'd previously already captured the Schuster rights. Um, there will possibly be a Schuster appeal, but that is looking unlikely, uh, as is an appeal for the Siegel side of things. What the judges decided is that a, uh, a previous um, agreement letter that had uh, been... Um, issued by the uh, previous lawyer of the Seagulls was deemed to be a contract and therefore the judge has decided that Seagulls and the War and Warner Brothers will abide by that uh, previous letter of agreement and the Seagulls will come away with uh, you know, a s quite substantial amount of, of, of uh, monetary rewards from that original um, letter of agreement and uh, but Warner Brothers will now own the rights 100% for the Superman character moving forward. Well, I've been saying this for years, and, and obviously, you know, no matter what side of the fence you're on, in terms of a lot of people saying it's truth and justice that Superman's supposed to stand for, and, and here we are ripping off a poor family who created this character, whatever. And then the other side is, you know, well, look, Warner Brothers made Superman what he is. You know, they gave up on the character a long time ago, and Warner Brothers took over, and he has gone through many incarnations. He's changed, uh, you know, uh, almost unrecognizably at times from what he was in the 30s when, when, when these two families were involved and also that the families themselves aren't the ones who were involved and didn't have any input and didn't have any control over what happened even when uh, the Siegel and Schuster boys were involved so no matter what side you're on the idea that over and over again two groups can come to a decision can agree can sign on it can say it's cool and then a few years later decide it isn't constantly over and over again just seems silly to me no matter what the copyright laws are and we've talked about this before the mm -hmm. idea that in the united states there's a certain amount of time on a copyright and when it expires you can recapture that copyright if you once held it or or you can get your rights to it however it goes uh, legally i'm not an expert on that but we've talked about it before so it is within their right to do it but at the same time, over the years, they have signed multiple agreements. They have legally entered into contracts over and over again with Warner Brothers and over and over again have gone back and said, well, we've decided after some thinking that we don't like the agreement that we signed. I mean, I think it's about time that somebody said, well, that's kind of too bad. I mean, you signed it, you agreed to it, it's fair, and, and you, you know, that's, that's, that's how it goes. Yeah, and to, to clarify, the 2001 letter... Uh, accepting an offer put to them by Warner Brothers was not signed by the Seagulls. It was signed by their lawyer. But as far as the law is concerned, um, that is enough. 
and uh, so that uh, that was a, an argument going back and forth. But the Ninth U.S. Circuit of Appeals uh, ruled back in uh, early January, mid January, that uh, you know the the letter written by the attorney in 2001 accepting an offer put to them by Warner Brothers was uh, was something that they both parties had to abide by. And uh, so moving forward, uh, Superman's adventures can continue across all media platforms worldwide uh, for generations to come uh, through the uh, hands of DC Comics and Warner Brothers. And we all know that any minute now, thankfully, um, uh, Superman's underwear will be back on the outside of his clothing because now they can, they're allowed to do that now because uh, they want this uh, court case. Yeah, that was another topic. A lot of people thought that... Uh, Warner Brothers and DC Comics were trying to move away from the concept or the original concept of Superman and change him enough so that he would be a character that wouldn't have to abide by the Seagulls' copyright ownership. But uh, from what I understand, that's not the, tr that's not the way it works. Um, and uh, I don't think we'll be seeing the red trunks on Superman in anytime soon anyway. He may, he well, may go back to it. They've gone to a long, I mean, it's it's been kind of a long setup uh, to reintroduce the entire line of DC books and characters and relaunch the entire universe, except for Batman. Batman's untouchable. you got to leave Batman the same. Batman continued. Everybody else changed. Um, but uh, so it seems to me that this less than the electric Superman of the 90s was less related to this uh, ongoing battle with them. Uh, my understanding is that th that that whole change back then had something to do with DC trying to prove to the court that they have changed Superman enough and, and, and showing evidence that he goes through these changes and that there are things that happen that make him so much different from what was created in the mind of some 18 or 20 year olds uh, so many years ago. But now this one, again, and the launch of the entire uh, line of DC books uh, seems like it would have less to do with one character's mm. uh, court battles. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm going to touch on a subject that I know is going to raise oh. the shackles on your neck and how dare you raise your blood pressure and oh. steam will be coming out of your ears the fact mm. that cartoon network has sadly decided not to renew young justice dear 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 lord and goodness gracious me it's i it's a sad day is what it is it is in the scotty v household it's uh, it's one of those things i just i I'm, the only thing i can i can chalk it up to is Whatever ratings they go by on a cable network such as Toon Network, uh, they, it must not be bringing enough returns to them to continue the show because it is such a quality program. The animation is the best I've seen on television and the, the characters, the depth. I've talked about this before. The stories, uh, the way they uh, – eight episodes early uh, give you a little – hint as to something that's going to come eight episodes later it's just so much more and i love superman the animated series and 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 i love superman so that's my favorite thing but it did not have the ongoing depth or the continuation or the kind of serialized nature that this one has and maybe that's part of the problem too you know uh same kind of thing with a show like 24 these networks talk about it you know we're going to have a hard time um, uh, syndicating this and, and, and selling it to other networks because networks 
move their schedules around and don't necessarily want to have to be beholden to showing one episode after another in order so that people know what's going on. And it's not exactly like that with The Young Justice. It's not so tight that you have to see each episode in order, although it helps. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not I, I don't know. And of course, I'm very, very disappointed because it's uh, I was disappointed when they canceled the comic uh, book. But I also if you go back and listen, whenever we talked about that, uh, I indicated that I thought that that might be an indication of things to come in terms of television. And I, I really I had a I had a bad feeling when they took it off and when that whole weird thing happened and then they announced the cancellation of the book. That, uh, that 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 was going to be a uh, kind of a prelude to what was going to happen with the television show, and it's very, very unfortunate, and I don't understand it. Yeah, your prediction was right. Uh, when the comic book was cancelled, you said that uh, it didn't bode well for the TV sh- uh, show. When they had that whole hiatus, what we presumed was something to do with the Milestone character, copyright usage of those characters in you know the animated series... Uh, it didn't bode well because you know you can't take a show off the air for four, five, six months or whatever it was and then hope that it picks up its ratings again. People forget about shows. People forget about where it goes, uh, where they were. Well, the same thing happened with uh, Justice League and yeah. Justice League Unlimited. I mean, it was on for a few weeks and then it was off for several months and then it came back and then it was off. And, you know, it took forever to get to the next season. It was years later and you're, you know, uh, if you look at those years on on uh, right on the homepage where where it's uh, where original air dates are, you, you'll just you, the mind boggles at the way they kind of jump around from one year to the next, and and people can't follow what season am I in? Where am I at? Yeah. What's going on with the story? I don't understand. I have two kids that have grown up since the last season was over. I don't. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's Network, ridiculous. Cartoon Network has a lot to answer for with with a lot of the DC properties. The Green Lantern animated series has also not been renewed, yet they're doing another Batman. Beware <laughs> the Batman. Well, again, of course, they're doing Batman. Batman can't be touched. He's untouchable. He stays the same. Everybody else gets a show, gets canceled, gets changed. Things get, you know... Uh, but Batman's Batman, and, uh, uh, you know, they know... I guess they know that they have a... A sellable property with that, I, I, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, I would really. I'm, we're going to try our best to hunt down somebody at DC Nation or somebody who is in the know to find out why Young Justice has been cancelled. Why, after only two seasons of a show that seems to be well received, seems to be getting uh, good ratings when it is on, uh, and seems to be a, such a good quality product. Uh, with, you know, so many of the characters that are so well-known amongst the public. You know, I mean, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, they all show up in this TV series. It's not just about the young versions of these characters. Uh, I don't understand why it's uh, being discontinued, why it hasn't been picked up, why it was thrown around, you know, four or five months off the air at a time. It's very disappointing, and uh, somebody needs to really pipe up and and give the fans a proper answer because it's just not good enough and i sometimes wonder if if it if it has something to do with uh the whole relaunch and and where we're at and obviously 
uh, the the other animated films are going on, and Superman still has the briefs, and things still look the way they used to. And you know, we, we've often talked about how every movie or television interpretation of a character from another story or a comic book is really an alternate universe. It's really its own thing, and mm. they they make their own changes based on how it goes and what they want to do and what fits right for the film. So while it still is Superman or Superboy or whatever it is you're watching, it's an alternate version of of what you might have been reading or what you might remember. So when people stand up and say, that's not the way it happened in the comic book, uh, it's never going to be uh, exactly the way it happened in the comic book. But... Uh, you know, you know, perhaps with this new bat, the new Batman, maybe he's maybe it's going to be more connected to the way he looks, the way he acts, the things that have happened in the new 52. Or maybe they're 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 trying to steer people away from the old style. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just trying to come up with theories um, because none of the characters exist in Young Justice the way they are, in the, you know, in the comic book, they're not the way they are on the Young Justice animated series. So we're kind of in Earth 2 or we're in Earth 5 or, you know, in Earth 97 or whatever Earth it is in where these characters are the way they were on Young Justice. So I think, and I said the same thing about the Young Justice book. It's not really, obviously it was out of continuity, but it's also not even within the same uh, time span or universe as as the rest of the 52. So... I'm not sure, but a lot of these things might play into the decision yeah. uh, to, to to yank it. I don't know. Yeah, well, again, we, we would hope somebody comes forward and says one way or the other why it happened. But uh... Someone needs to answer to me. <laughs> now, talking about the comics, uh, as you did with the Young Justice book, um, the Superman regular comic books continue. Have we'll... all been canceled. They're all off the market forever now. Uh, We will go into the Hell on Earth story in a second uh, because that's what's taking place within Superman, Superboy, Supergirl, uh, those titles. But Action Comics is continuing on its own uh, little merry way for the next couple of issues still before it, with issue 19, comes into line with the other books. But issue number 16 of Action Comics uh, was released at the beginning of January. Uh, January 9th it was released, and it uh, was titled The Second Death of Superman, and it touched pretty heavily on the Death of Superman story that is from a previous continuity, obviously happening in the mid-90s, early 90s, uh, but is still somehow referenced and part of this new 52 continuity. What did you make of that? Well, first off, you know, I always... I only got as far as the title page, and I was reminded once again at how much I hate, hate, hate uh, Morrison's writing. I just, I, I, it, 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 it boggles my mind every time. I don't know where we are. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know. I don't know the language the characters are using. I just don't even. I, I just, it's so strange every single time. It took me until about halfway through the book for me to realize that this was a continuation of something that was in the last action book and that it's still connected to Mixie and it's still connected to the landlady and it's just it's it's just so convoluted and so just annoying to me to read it. I, I, I you know, Morrison's this big kind of celebrity uh, writer and, you know, everybody wants him on their products and I just... I have not I have not enjoyed his 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 gallivanting into strange new worlds whatever it is he's doing um I don't like it. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm I I 
when we sat down to write the notes for to do this episode of Radio KAL, um, and we, you know, I looked back what comics we we're going to be talking about. I had to refresh my memory about what action comics, what happened in action comics number sixteen, because it's one of those things that you read and you kind of you try to follow and you try to understand, and then when it's finished, you're going. <gasps> Uh, that was a bit more effort than I actually really, yeah. you know, wanted to invest in reading a comic book. Um, you know, you got Xanadu, I mean, sorry, Zadu, and, um, you know, all these other weird Kryptonian and other villains, and Mr. Triple X, and uh, it, it mixes, you know, Vindicative X, and all these, uh, and it's, <laughs> it, it, it is, it's quite, it, it's quite confusing, it's quite hard to follow. I liked the sentiments from the characters talking about Superman's, you know, death at the hands of hands of Doomsday, and and you know the, how it resonated with them, and how you know. But I felt cheated in that. It's a lot of the stuff that Morrison talks about happen off camera. Um, we don't know how the death of Superman fits into this continuity yet. He's referencing it. Um, yeah. it. It seems a bit of a cheat. Well, I also, I mean, I don't know what his leeway was in terms of that. He might not know how it fits. He might not know where they're going with it because a lot of times, and, you know, we've heard fans complain uh, over and over again about how vague uh, the DC brass can be in terms of uh, what exactly fit. Well, you know, it's uh, let's not write it off. It all happened. Uh, we just don't know how or when. I mean, they don't exactly say it in those words. But we'll explain they tell it you that, story. Exactly. And that hasn't happened yet. And how will it happen? How could it happen? You know, Lois doesn't know that Superman is Clark. So the whole idea of her being being so brokenhearted and so emotional and so connected to him uh, going down at the hands of Doomsday is completely different. And in this story here, they allude to the fact that the Daily Planet called it Doomsday, but they don't really say that it was a character named Doomsday. They don't really say that he fought him tooth and nail, you know, in the middle of the street. They just kind of hint to the idea that we all knew it kind of happened, but uh, who knows how and who knows uh, when or why, you know. Uh, and, at the, you know, at the same point, uh, com- as complaining about Morrison's writing, I, I have to say again that 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 the artwork is, is just just sublime in the book Mm. and it it has been from the beginning i mean lois looks fantastic Uh, i like how jimmy looks you know i like how superman look i just like how everybody looks and and uh it's bright and it's it's you know it's very interesting to look at it's the reading that's that's where where it it comes uh difficult so uh, i i don't know and you know when you look at it's the same kind of thing with um uh, some of the art, I think, has a hard that has a hard time describing what it is that Morrison is telling him is happening. If you look at, um, like page twenty-two, it's just weird. Like he's jumping on a, you know, Jimmy tackles the guy, and then he turns around and he has a sword, but at the same time, Jimmy's face is like sideways as if he's been hit but the arm that's swiping past him is the arm that has a sword so jimmy's head would be cut off and then the (laughs) other arm he has a different sword it's a different color but he didn't have it the panel before so where did that come from it's even comes down to as simple as 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 that doesn't even seem uh to be uh able to be comprehended so uh i don't know yeah and then i thought it was funny how how the, the the mummy looking guy that superman was fighting 
kind of looks like Mysterio at the end. He's got a he's got a globe on his head. He has two little pips that, that are on either side of his neck. Uh, it, it's floating through the air. And uh, and then in the Superman book, you got Galactus floating uh, through the sky, uh, consumer of worlds or, or whatever coming coming as well. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how the art tries to uh, decipher the the written word. Uh, and the jumping back and forth from the thirty thirty to yesterday to today to the day before yesterday to today, it, oh. it, it kind of, yeah, it was hard enough as it was going in a linear progression, let alone jumping around. Uh, he does that constantly, though. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not, this isn't the only time. It, it just seems like he, his mind is so out there that he he wants to be somewhere else other than the time that he's at writing. So he's in the future and then he's yesterday and then he's a two minutes before it was a minute ago and seconds later, you know, it's, it's just, (laughs) you don't even know what you're, what you're reading. I actually enjoyed, and I'm not even a fan of the Legion. I enjoyed the Legion story much more than the main story. Uh, it was much, it was simpler uh, you know, but I actually I find myself going, oh man, I want to know what happens with this guy who's trying to be the leader of the universe and and is really a bad guy. And you know, I just I didn't like the art at all uh, mm. in that story, but uh, but I but the story I thought was great. Now moving on to Hell on Earth, uh, Superman number fifteen was released at the beginning of January, uh, postponed from the end of December because of the the holidays and that, which most of the comics were uh, across the DC universe at that time. And Superman 15 carries on the Hell on Earth story. Uh, in this one, we see Lex Luthor. Um, he's in his uh, uh, holding facility that uh, has been designed by him, unbeknownst to himself, to hold himself. <laughs> and um, and uh, Superman comes and visits with Superboy. And uh, it's a, an interesting play, but once again... I feel like I'm missing a part of the story because I don't know how Lex lost half his face or his ear or whatever's happened with the side of his head. And I don't know how we got from the sniveling, uh, you know, um, cowardly version of Lex that was five years ago to this most dangerous man on earth, Lex Luthor, that's been incarcerated in this high-tech facility. Well, even in action, we were just talking about we 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 again see a, a scary kind of little girl Lex Luthor running from whatever's coming into the lab. Oh, get it all, Chewie! Turn it off! It's scary. And then you go to this book, and 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 he's you know he's he's a badass for lack of a better word, and he's mouthing off to everybody, and he's super intelligent, and you know he's. Uh, kind of impressive, and you and you go well. That's Lex Luthor. That's kind of a cool, yeah. Um, the way I expect him to be, but yeah. like you said, well, how did he get that way? And and you know, I thought I was missing something because his face is all messed up, and because he he tells Superman, you know, it's 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 nice of you to lie through your beautiful teeth, but we all know that you came here to look me in the eye and see if you were able to complete what you weren't able to and what you so badly wanted to complete when you did this to me, hmm. um, seeming to indicate that uh, he at least thinks that Superman wanted to kill him, which he may have. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman has, you know, people people give it a hard time whenever anybody suggests that Superman would feel better if he were able to hurt some of these people in worse ways than he does. But I think that that makes him more human and the fact that he does feel that way, he just doesn't act on it. Yeah. And he knows that it's wrong, so he stays away from doing it. But the fact that we didn't see it, the idea that we don't know what it was that happened 
seems like another kind of, I don't know if Morrison was supposed to get there and he's just so all over the place that it never happened. But yeah, it's very, uh, very strange. And, 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 you know, I start, I'm reading this Superman 15 and I'm thinking, I really like Superman's attitude, Mm. you know, talking to Lex, even talking to Superboy. He says, you know, how did you know that wasn't going to hurt me? And Superman says, well, I didn't, but I do now. Uh, After he pulls him through the thing, um, it's kind of a more nonchalant kind of attitude. Um, but he knew that if something would happen, he'd be there to save him or whatever. Yeah, he's confident. Yeah, and I like it. I mean, uh, a little while later, I guess, in, in, as the story continues, things kind of get a little weird again with with continuity. But uh, with this book, I really like the way it was going, and I, and I love the art. You know, I like I like when Lex uh, kind of talks down to Superboy and gets him to shut up, and, and Superman says. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're all impressed with your ability to to, uh, to intimidate a teenager. Great job. You know? <laughs> just, I love that. Yeah. And then we move forward to Superboy's own book with Superboy number 16. And it's all about trying to get into the Fortress of Solitude because, as we know, uh, at the end of uh, Superman's book, uh, he meets up with the, the uh, Justice League and, um, you know, they come to his dis- answer his distress call to uh, head to the fortress to try to stop Hell and uh, a misguided Kara from uh, using the Kryptonian technology that's held within the Fortress of Solitude to allow Hell to uh, go back in time and to a point where Krypton, to save Krypton from its destruction. But in doing that, he'll destroy our universe and everything that's in it. And obviously that's, while Superboy would lo- Superman would love and Superboy and Kara would love to save Krypton. None of them want the you know want to do that at the cost of Earth and everything you know the whole universe uh, of everyone dying. So, uh, but Kara doesn't know. That, that sounds that sounds happen. like it would be bad. That sounds. It does sound a little bit bad. Yeah. Um, you know, it's almost, she obviously, as you're saying, doesn't know that. No, you know? she doesn't. He's conned her into thinking that Superman is. So earthly that he's, you know, uh, not no longer thinks of himself as Kryptonian or can't, you know, doesn't have the feeling for Krypton as they do, and so uh, she doesn't realise that there are you know, major ramifications for following through with Hell's plans. But um, she thinks that Superman is uh, just uh, naive or misguided, where it's actually herself who is naive and misguided, following along with Hell's plans. And Superboy and and the the heroes along with Superman try to break into the Fortress of Solitude to uh, to stop Hell and uh, and save the universe. Well, I mean, why wouldn't they? They're heroes, right? I mean, they got to do that. And I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but uh, Batman, no matter how well trained, uh, would simply break his ankle uh, trying to uh, kick heavy metal objects like those robots. And and they show there's a panel of Batman. <laughs> kicking one of these robots and the robot is breaking apart and exploding. He's, he's a man <laughs> he, in, in that, in that way, he's no different than I am. I mean, I'm clearly not trained as he is, but you can't be trained to, to, to smash your foot through a metal door or robot as a human being. Uh, the strategist thing, planning to attack, you know, being, being the guy who kind of 
directs where the other teams go. I think he should do that from a chair, from another room, from another area. Mm -hmm. But that makes sense to me. I could see that, you know. And also, in the book before, why would Superman, why would Luthor say to Superman that Superman is only second to him in intellect if Bruce Wayne is so great and so smart? Yeah, true. There, There is a, a misalignment as far as the... Um, how smart Superman is amongst the different super books, uh, which is disappointing. But speaking of Batman, while I don't always like to see him pop up in Superman's books, because Superman very rarely does in Batman's books, I quite like the interplay between Superboy and Batman uh, in in this particular comic book. Yeah, I actually don't mind. I mean, I didn't mind Batman at all. He's fine. I just think that they stretch his, you know, uh, the the terms of yeah, his, his humanity. Limits the idea of what he can do he's doing things that wonder woman is doing yeah uh you know and uh in here and i mentioned it in, in 15 you have in, for me you have inconsistent character in in the in the previous book Superboy's kind of wide-eyed and amazed that he's hanging out with superman and he kind of thinks he's cool and he's really respecting and then suddenly he says even though i'm not his biggest fan i'll go in there and uh it just seems like now we're back to the Superboy. Uh, who he's been in in the Superboy books, but then in the other book he's a different character. He and his the, he appear in his appearance in the art. He looks much younger. He looks mm. much more wide eyed. He looks more fresh. He looks more, you know, kind of green. And then suddenly he's here and he's this, you know, jerky kind of criminal type, um, a street kid, a tough guy who is now you know mouthing off to everybody and it continues as as we go into uh uh superboy uh, year one or whatever it is uh annual. first anniversary annual uh thing <laughs> and is the alien on the final page is that the horn playing guy from yes. back in uh action one okay it is yes uh it, you would have to you know it was a, a long stretch to to draw that line between them but uh it is the same horn blowing character and um it was interesting uh, to see that there is almost like an, uh, something else going on that is not necessarily part of this story, but is, um, I guess, a parallel story that's you know going to be taking place as well. Yeah, weird. Now, Supergirl number 16 continues on the story of the hell on Earth, but we see Supergirl's story, like her side of things going on, and we see her, her battling with the Flash, who... Uh, you know, is able to uh, vibrate through the uh, walls of the Fortress of Solitude and their battle takes them through Superman's intergalactic zoo and uh, there's, you know, it's quite a, a um, frenetic battle between the two of them and um, it's uh, interesting to see Supergirl's perspective on just what's going on and, and why these characters are, are trying to stop her and stop Hell's plan to uh, return to Krypton. Well, it completely makes sense to me from Supergirl's point of view, yeah. even though I think her story is still convoluted and what's going on with her being older than Superman and coming in suspended animation and all that. But that's what they decided to stick with and go with. So from her point of view, she just left her home and uh, someone's telling her it's been destroyed. And then someone else is saying, well, I can save it. And if you help me, it'll be that much easier. And we can make sure that we get it back to a time where your parents are still alive, your friends are still alive, and you can go back there and live back there what i don't understand is uh, everybody's seemingly um nonchalant attitude toward having powers like oh, i you know i i don't want these powers anyway i'll just go back to my planet and be no one again which i would never do i mean yes i'd save my planet 
but I'd be like, sorry, can't live here with you guys because I'm awesome on the other <laughs> planet, and that's where I'm going to stay. Um, and I'm not sure how hard she's hitting the Flash, but in that first panel where she comes from behind, I'm assuming she's flying through the air. His back is so bent that it looks like she smashed him at, 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 her, at her super speed. And again, Flash is just a guy. Yeah, but doesn't, even, even, doesn't he say something ahead. like, lucky I vibrated the last minute or something like that? Well, he says that later, which oh, okay. I was glad that he said when she when she Punch. knees him in the face. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, uh, again, his face would be gone. And then the very next panel, he says, thankfully, I was able to vibrate my face at the last minute or your knee would be a part of my skull right now, which I like. But then later they go into the, the animal enclosure and she says, there's no way we can fight all of them. I have to lead the Flash away from here. Why? I mean, two pages earlier, she was trying to put his knee, her knee through his head. She was going to destroy him. She was going to kill him. She was going to murder him. And now suddenly she wants to save him from a stampede of animals that he could fly, run away from on his own anyway. It's again, it's inconsistent. It's, you know, and I know that she's not exactly Superman. She doesn't exactly have the the human morality uh, ethical ideas that he has and doesn't really have the connection to other human beings but she's either someone who's going to kill for what she wants or she isn't and two pages earlier she was going to put her leg through the guy and then suddenly she's saying i have to uh, get him out of here because there's no way we can fight them all so i i was confused by that and i like some of flash's dialogue here as well superman has a zoo uh, Superman has a dog. Uh, thought I, I thought it was very funny. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was very Flash-like uh, uh, dialogue, which I quite liked. Then uh, you mentioned Superboy Annual Number One, and this is uh, from the perspective of Superman and Superboy in this uh, pocket dimension, where, as we saw at the end of uh, the previous story, uh, they'd both got in front of this beam of this. Um, a teleporting type of prison where uh, they were sent to uh, parts unknown and uh, disappeared from the Fortress of Solitude to find themselves in this pocket dimension where it kind of alters all the time and their powers are diminished and, and altered and changed and it's a bit uh, you know, different for them. They've got a, quite a battle on their hands, but Superman takes, takes it in his stride and you know is on point and ready to... to Take on whatever has to be done, and to, to you know get back to the fortress as quickly as they can. And Superboy is a bit uh, taken aback at uh, Superman's attitude, and uh, but it's it's quite good in that Superboy is the savior of of this story and gets them back to the fortress eventually through uh, his ability to communicate with the prison itself. Yeah, it's I, I it was neat how they how they did that. Um, a lot of times. And it's usually Batman. A lot of times when you have a cameo crossover into someone else's book, the cameo crossover is the one that uh, that, that, that does what needs to be done. And, and since this is an ongoing story, it, it, the lines kind of get blurred as to who's the star of the book because it's a story that they're all appearing in everybody else's book each month. Or, and and, and it, 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 they're kind of equal in that they're all involved and that they're all either trying to defeat hell or they're involved with hell. And so um, I think that it's neat that they gave kind of Superboy, who you might consider to be the less famous, less popular, less powerful character, the out in this one. They gave him the the, the way to communicate with the, the planet and, and get them out, as you say. Yeah. I like, uh, I like, I picture when Cyborg got exploded away from the thing, 
I, I picture him, you know, when Wonder Woman says, you know, are you okay? Are you hurt? Eh, just my pride. Uh, another kind of comedic line in the middle of what's going on. Yeah, and then you have chaos. the continuing inconsistent character. You know, Superman was the one making the jokes in Superman 15, and he was uh, kind of smiling. He was tongue-in-cheek a lot of the time, and now... And now he's given Superboy a hard time for being tongue-in-cheek and for being sarcastic and for not being serious. It just seems, uh, seems like he doesn't know wh- – wh- whoever was writing doesn't know how it was going in the other book. Mm. So I don't know. I guess and, that's and, always and, a problem with these crossover things is that they, they plan out the, the major strokes of a story so that they can you know, follow on from each other, but they don't necessarily get into the nitty-gritty of a character's – um, personality and you know so there I'm, I'm guessing that probably uh, accounts for the inconsistencies in the character uh, personalities yeah well, when he says um we might be stuck here superman says we might be stuck here in an unending battle forever shouldn't he have said uh, in a never ending battle wouldn't that have been <laughs> And do they leave the two villains at the end of the thing on an asteroid in the middle of space with nowhere to go, no food, no air? Or well, I... well, they were in this prison, I'm guessing, with no food, no air for so many, many, many years. And they seem to be the bane of uh, the universe because they are so powerful. And, and they did fight to a standstill with Superboy and Superman um, in this comic. And it was only through Superboy's... Uh, ability to communicate with the prison itself and send them to uh, you know somewhere else that uh, they were able to get free. So I'm guessing these two villains uh, are not uh, necessarily um, you know helpless wherever they are. Mm, okay. All right. Well, that's the comic book discussions. Uh, although there is a comic book that is tying in with the video game Injustice: Gods Among Us, which is out at the moment. The comic book that is. In digital, and the print version comes out at the beginning of uh, January. As, sorry, beginning of February as well. Um, the comic book Injustice, sorry, the video game Injustice: Gods Among Us will be released on April sixteenth, um, and there it will be a, available in a battle edition as well as a, um, a collector's edition. Um, with the battle edition has a um, a joystick with uh, like a computer console thing that uh, you know you can ha- change the theme to a Superman Super uh, Wonder Woman or a Batman uh, skin. Uh, but the game is released on April sixteenth, as I said, for the Xbox three hundred and sixty, PS three, and the Wii U. But the comic book, which is a prequel leading up to the story in Injustice: Gods Among Us, the video game, is out now, and it tells the story of why. We, you know, the characters are the way they are. Why, in this alternate reality, um, Superman has, you know, become the way he is, and what has taken ca- uh, taken place, and it was quite uh, shocking, in uh, in the you know the way the story was told, what happened to Jimmy Olsen, what looks like it's going to happen to Lois, and um, I'm quite interested to see where it continues from here on. Did Jimmy become a woman, and everybody got crazy about it? <laughs> No, Jimmy was shot. Oh, oh boy! I'm not sure which is worse: becoming a woman, like having <gasps> careful, your ma- having your manliness cut <laughs> off, is what I'm trying to say, uh, and being turned into when you're not a woman, or you know, being shot. Yeah, uh, by the Joker of all people. So, uh, Injustice: Gods Among Us, the comic book, uh, chapter two, chapter three are out now as well. 
Uh, so uh, on digital comics, uh, the first print edition is available uh, the f uh, end of January, beginning of February. So check that out uh, if you're interested. Um, the video game, as I said, will be available mid-April. All right. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to touch on before we move on to our big question segment is the Superman S-Shield evolution chart that uh, we put together at the Superman homepage. We've seen a few charts over the years, some in recent times, trying to show the different variations the S has gone through in the past 75 years. Uh, they miss a lot. They you know, try to take the broad strokes of you know, how it's developed and uh, you know, select some of the more obvious changes. But uh, I felt it was time that we did a real, true depiction of how it's uh, changed in the last 75 years, pretty much taking an example from every year of the past 75 years, along with the comics, the TV shows, the animated movies, the animated cartoons, uh, the, the, you know, the films, the, the live-action stuff, uh, you know, Bob Holiday, Broadway, all of them have been included in this massive chart that has over 140 examples uh, to show. Yeah, it was uh, quite a meticulous effort put forth uh, by you and uh, very interesting to look at and um, lots of symbols on there. I've heard a number of people say they'd like to have it as a poster and I know you have poster size that can be downloaded, but uh, you know, speaking from a printing standpoint, I don't I'm not really sure how I could print it without having it be like on pieces of paper that I got to tape together and uh, well, but yeah, I mean an actual poster of that would be uh, uh, quite nice to have. I have a shirt that has uh, different, not nearly as many symbols, but I uh, uh, reminded me of that. You can uh, take the JPEG the, or the PDF file, the, the, the large version, to a print center, say somewhere like, um, I don't know what you have over there in the US for, you know, you, you take your digital camera or your, or your iPhone or whatever, your USB, you put all your JPEGs on that and you take them to one of those photo centers and you get, you know, your standard size photos done. They also do poster prints um, of various sizes and uh, I'm not sure if they provide a 27 by 40 inch size poster, um, but uh, that's a, an option if you do want to get a poster size print made. It'll probably cost you about 30 bucks, but uh, it might be cheaper than using up all the ink in your, in your inkjet printer. Well, there you go, people. I know you all want that on your wall, so uh, get to your local, you know, uh, I guess, Office Max and see what they can do for you. Yeah. Now, uh, let's move into the big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's big question was, what was your favorite part of the Man of Steel trailer and why? And our first responder, Rick Ruiz, wrote, Hey guys, I hope you had an awesome Christmas and super new year. My favorite parts from the MOS trailer were Ma Kent talking to Clark and a tear rolling down her cheek. This showed me how much she loves her boy, and things are not just a struggle for him, but for his parents as well. And then the takeoff and space flight. That looked really cool. Too bad we still didn't get to hear an actual Superman soundtrack for the complete package. Great job as always. Oh, thank you, Rick. Uh, some nice thoughts there. You like the... Uh... Obviously, the tender moment with Martha and then the more action-oriented moment with Superman taking off into space. Pretty cool. Good news. The soundtrack is finished, as we already discussed, and yep. I'm sure we'll be hearing that pretty soon. 
George Amaru wrote, uh, this is a difficult question as this is such a great trailer. The overall look of the film is amazing and I'm very confident that we are going to get a fantastic Superman film. If I had to pick, I'd say that my favourite part would be the images of Superman in the Arctic, slowly walking over the ice and snow and leading to that fantastic takeoff, which, is, which perfectly caps that sequence. Very nice. Mm, I would agree with a lot of that. Hector Hector wrote in that his favorite part was when Superman was arrested and had the handcuffs on because I can't wait to see what happens after that. Yeah, very good point, Hector. A nice part of the trailer as well. Chris Morgan writes, What did I like most about the Man of Steel trailer? Without a doubt for me was when Pa Kent said, Maybe. It just showed the heart in the Superman story from his Earth parents and how they loved him and wanted to protect him no matter what. And Martha trying to comfort a young Clark... It's just touching what parents do to protect children. It's that e area of the story I look forward to see the most. The emotion from Diane Lane showed the casting strength in the movie. And I know we've said it many times that the Donna Superman film will play no part, but was there a slight nod to the Donna fans with the flyby around Earth? It was very similar to the Reeve flyby before smiling to the camera. Just a thought. One more thing. Can I say that the whole trailer was outstanding and positivity positivity for the trailer is just fa as fantastic keep up the good work steve and scotty well thank you chris yes i actually i got the same feeling i wondered if if um they were kind of going for that it's a similar angle when uh, henry cavill is flying through space there they don't do the smile and nod at the camera thing but i think maybe they took some inspiration there yep chris hewitt wrote Hi, Steve. Scotty, what did I think of the Man of Steel trailer? Well, from the spine-chilling opening shot of Clark floating in the water to the end shot of Superman walking out from the bank vault area in front of the army, it's a fantastic trailer that doesn't show too much or too little. It's a right mix of footage with a super piece of music. My favorite part is the cape flapping in the wind and the shot of uh, uh, him kneeling and building force to take off into the air and flying into the stratosphere. Well thought, uh, well thought out comments there by Chris. Uh, Christopher Miron writes in saying, I liked when Jonathan Kent spoke to Clark. I know a lot of people are worried that Jonathan isn't the same caring, moral kind of guy we know him to be, but I think he's still just that. I think that simply in that the tone of his voice responding to Clark with a maybe, it sounded to me more like he was singing, I just don't know. I think, like any father, he is putting his son's safety first, but also knows that he did the right thing and he's proud of him for it. He's just at a loss for words. Well, uh, yeah, I, I like your, your explanation there, Christopher. Yes, I, can, I definitely see some of that going on as well. Billy Hogan wrote that there wasn't anything I didn't like about the trailer. Every clip left me wanting to see more of each scene and raised my anticipation of the movie. It looks different from the Donner movies, but still seems to capture the essence of Superman. My favorite part was the end where he kneels in the snow and presses his fist into the ground. Visually, you could almost see the immense pressure Superman was exerting. And when he bursts into the sky, it sent chills down my spine. Thank you, Billy. Now, Arjun L. writes in, Hello, Stephen Scotty. I guess my favourite part of the Man of Steel trailer would have to be the shot of Russell Crowe as Jor-El. Somehow he reminds me of Scotty V. Not sure why, but sure hope Russell Crowe sings his lines. <laughs> Second favourite is Superman walking across, across the tundra. It looks majestic, regal, and if it is the big reveal of the suit and flying, it looks awesome. He's hoping you have ants in your red underpants until June 14th. Thank you, Argent L. That was very, very cool. Mikey B. sent in an audio answer once again. Let's hear what he had to say. Steve, Scotty, it's Mikey B. Favorite part of the tra uh, trailer? Um, 
Boy, I mean, I got to see it not only when it was released online after that countdown, but I also went to The Hobbit just for that reason, to see that uh, that uh, trailer on the big screen, because I knew it would look, look all that much better, and it did. But, um, you know, I can't just pick one. I got two, so I'm going to cheat. Superman walking out of the fortress, Jonathan still talking, you know, looking around, soaking up the sun, and taking off. Um, and the second one is um, Superman flying at who I think is Zod, because um, I'm really interested in that confrontation. So, uh, but that's it. Those are, the, I, you know, I know you said pick what's my favorite, but I picked two. But there's just so much. That trailer is, that trailer, the, the, what I loved about that trailer too was that it lived up to my expectations, which are so high right now that they are probably unfairly high for this movie. Uh, but it, that trailer lived up to it. So, wow. I mean, that's a good start. So, uh, but anyway, guys, uh, thanks for all the work you do. You guys do such an awesome show, and I, I, I really appreciate it. And I know all the other uh, listeners do too. So uh, thank you, and take care. Well, thank you, Mikey. Some uh, some good thoughts there. Very nice, and we appreciate the praise as well. Thank you. Now, Arnie H uh, writes in. He says, uh, due to your earlier recording in December, I was late in replying to the last big question. If you'll indulge me, I would still like to tell you how I listen to the show. Obviously, referring to our previous question before uh, this last podcast about we asking you where do you listen to the Radio KAL podcast. He goes on to say, I very much enjoy listening to Radio KAL on my iPod shuffle while working out at the gym. I figure everyone around me thinks I'm listening to music. Sometimes I wonder if these bodybuilders think I'm a super geek for listening to a show about Superman, but then always someone walks by me wearing an S-Shield t-shirt. That makes me smile. Just this week someone was wearing a We Can Be Heroes JLA t-shirt. Now, if only I could get the gym to play Radio KL on their sound system, that would be awesome. Happy New Year, guys. Keep up the great work in 2013. Thanks, you, Arnie. uh, Yeah, that would be great. Uh, That would be. (laughs) Fantastic. Get them to put it in their franchise, uh, you know, all across the country, you know. Like some kind of a package deal. You can play this in every gym you have throughout the entire nation. Um, why, why, hey, why our new the, big question Scotty, is why how, stop at the how do, yes why stop at just the nation let's go around the world oh well hey I, I, I'm with you I'm with you let's do <laughs> all it alright now go into the new one go on uh, our new big question is how do you feel about a young justice being cancelled I personally have held my feelings inside I'm not going to speak <laughs> about it I'm going to keep it to myself I'm not going to let anyone know how I feel about it but I think you should tell us how you feel about young justice being cancelled yes Get involved with this new big question for the Radio KL podcast. And you can do that by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage. You can send your entry in as an email. We will read those out. Or you can do like Mikey B did and record an audio answer. Send that through to us as an MP3 file. And we will play that in our next Radio KL podcast. Now, I imagine there will be quite a few irate and upset fans at the cancellation of Young Justice. Let us know your thoughts using the big question segment of the show. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency superman, and that's you. The super secret sound bite from last month came from the theme from super from the nineteen eighty Superboy TV series, and six people guessed it correctly. They are Guthrie McLean, Rick Ruiz, George Amaru, David Riley, Mikey B, 
and Matthew Apps. Well done, guys. Congratulations for guessing our last super secret soundbite. Let's see if those people and more can guess where in the world of Superman this new sound comes from. Oh, kryptonite. It hurts. Which is why Batman keeps it in an overwhelmingly impenetrable vault at the Batcave. Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman, Superboy, Supergirl, whatever, the super family of characters, where in the world of, of those characters this sound comes from, you can use the super secret soundbite entry form to send in your answer, and Scotty and I will read out those names in our next podcast. The Superman song of the month. I know this is some people's favorite portion of the show. Alan Sherville, also known as Nashville's Superman, recently released his new album titled You're My Superhero. There are many Superman-inspired tracks on the album, and Alan has agreed to allow us to play Saved by Superman here on Radio KAL. To find out more about Alan, check out his website at www.supersherville.com. That's uh, S-H-E-R-V-E-L-L-E.com. Excellent. Here is Saved by Superman. Tonight they'd lose the house they'd own for life. Sorry, it's one more economic casualty. But little Andy kept the faith in that red S on his blue PJ, staring at the sky every night before sleep. In the basement were the boxes of grandpa's junk. He found a comic book that said action number one. Coming up the hill, just like he's done since 1938. Faster than a 45, chopped up one more set of lives. Proving there's still justice in the American way. Once again, stopping evil plans. Another family saved by Superman. Comics. It was happy tears when they heard what it was worth. And the fact that it was saved was the old man reaching from the grave to help his family left behind on earth. The man from the auction house had a shot looked on his face when dad called up the bank and said, Money's on the way. And like a flash came the man of steel. Coming up the hill Just like he's done since 1938 Faster than a 45 Chopped up one more set of lives Proving there's still justice In the American way Once again Stopping evil plans Another family Saved by Superman The rarest of collectors in near mint condition was a hero for a family at the very last minute and like a flash came the man of steel a locomotive coming up the hill just like he's done since 1938 faster than a 45 
up one more set of lives. Proving there's still justice in the American way. Once again, stopping evil plans. Another family saved by Superman. Saved by Superman. Saved by Superman. Saved by Superman. Well, that's the song and that's the show for another month, our first oh. of 2013. Many more to come, but uh, remember, if you do have a suggestion for the show, maybe there's a topic you'd like Scotty and I to discuss, maybe there's a super secret soundbite you'd like us to play, maybe there's a song you'd like to request, maybe there's a big question you'd like us to ask. All those suggestions can be sent to us using the KAL feedback form found at the website, or you can email us. Scotty's email address is scotty at supermanhomepage.com. Mine is steve at supermanhomepage.com. And we will endeavour to use those suggestions in a future podcast. But that's our show, Scott. Thank you. Well, thank you, Steve. And everybody, remember, if you need an intergalactic super alien destroyed or if you need to kick in a robot's head, call Batman. You've been listening to Radio KAL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. 